Hello everyone, I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. All right. AJ Mendez is a New York Times bestselling author, former wrestling champion. AJ Mendez is the New York Times bestselling author of Crazy is My Superpower, How I Triumph by Breaking Bones, Breaking Hearts, and Breaking the Rules. She is a mental health advocate and animal rights activist, currently servicing NAMI, the JED Foundation, the ASPCA, and Girls Make Games. A former professional wrestler with the WWE under the ring name AJ Lee, she has won three championships and numerous awards, as well as inspired a generation of youth into several video game characters and action figures. All with substantially exaggerated body measurements in her spare time, she enjoys comic books, video games, and internet videos of unusual animal friendships. She is currently (laughs) working on Turn Crazy into excuse me, Turn Crazy is My Superpower into a TV series, which she will write and executive produce. Be sure to follow AJ on Twitter and Instagram, and we'll put that too in our show notes. Um, Well, welcome, AJ. Thank you for having me. I didn't know it was turning into... Thank you for reading my ridiculous bio. (laughs) It's not ridiculous. (laughs) I, I didn't know the book is turning into a TV series. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you so much. It's one of the really cool, like, um, unexpected, but, like, forced into fruition by my mind um, things that have, have come from, from writing the book. We're, we're developing it, so it's a very long process, but okay. I, I have these amazing producers um, that uh, they've produced Genius. Um, it's on Nat Geo, and they're Emmy-nominated, and they're, they're very legit and supportive, and they get the vision, and... Um, we're so excited to try to bring this story of mental health to uh, oh. the screen. Oh, it's a wow, very absolutely. accurate, respectful depiction. Yes. Oh, we need that so much. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing it when, when it gets out there. So keep us updated for sure. And we need more um, women superheroes. You know, we've yeah, got a few. We need, we need more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I really, you know, we want to do something that, is I think like when we talk about mental health and we talk about depression and anxiety, it's always in this like kind of um, salacious, um, uh, you know, exaggerated way. And mm-hmm. it's only the bad stuff. And um, all of a sudden it's like too late. And I just like, we're really passionate about telling the story. That's what's the everyday, what happens when you wake up and you feel bad, you know, like what happens when you're like way too happy it's a manic episode. Like, what are just the little in-betweens of, of living with a mental health disorder? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a story I've never seen 
Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been many times where I'm like, okay, a movie's coming out or a show is coming out and we get excited about it because it is talking about like eating disorders in our world. Or there's been a movie out about postpartum depression, which is sort of my world. And then it comes out and you're like, oh, did no one talk to someone <laughs> with this issue? Because <laughs> right. it, it ends up dis- disappointing and again, kind of leading into those stereotypes of, of mental illness that, that we don't need more of. Right, and that's why it's so important to, like, consult with Mm -hmm. with people who are professionals. And I'm so happy to have this relationship with, like, amazing mental health organizations like NAMI and the Jet Foundation. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to keep us in check, you know, and and let us know when we're being, if, you know, keep us responsible in our messaging. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll be sure to push it on social media when it's released (laughs) so that everybody can know about it. So can you tell us about how you got started the WWE? Yeah, um, I was a really stubborn child (laughs) and I was 12 years old and was like, that's what I'm going to do. And I I told my mom when I was 12, like I was just this huge fan of um, this fantastical larger than life world where, um, you know, these, it was basically real life video game characters, it was real life superheroes, um, spandex outfits and all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was so in love with it. Um, and growing up, it just, you know, I had so many situations around me that made me feel so weak. Um, but I would sit in front of the TV and for these two hours watching the show, I could see um, women be strong. And it kind of inspired me to just, become one of those, you know, ridiculous, beautiful characters. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I kind of just set my mind on it. And and I started wrestling when I was um, about 19. Mm -hmm. And a couple years after just doing, like, the independent circuit, which is, you know, very much just wrestling in bingo halls and um, getting paid, you know, 20 bucks a night if you were lucky. Um, I I auditioned auditioned for WWE and I... um, I paid to audition for WWE, oh, wow. and um, yeah, it was like an open casting call. It was like, well, if you give us thousands of dollars, uh, <laughs> you can maybe have a shot, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I just saved my money for like a year and a half and starved and, um, you know, actually got signed at this crazy camp, um, and then I was there for, for a really long time, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What was some of your like role models or wrestlers growing up that that you watched and liked? Uh, my first, the first woman in wrestling that I really connected to is Miss Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, which looking back now, like I said, completely not my personality. Like I'm so, I'm not like the quiet, sweet, um, supportive woman. I'm <laughs> kind of a battle axe. Um, so. I don't know why I connected to her, but she was just so delicate and lovely in this world of uh, giants and monsters and, you know, big burly men. And I just, I loved um, that dichotomy. Um, So she was really the the first one that like caught my eye. And then as I got older, I was just so in love with like Lita and Trish Stratus and Molly Holly and Jazz. And these women that, um, Ivory, these women that, oh, China, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they, they really flipped the script, you know? They said, 
they brought in this technical wrestling um, along with they they were all like Amazons and models and um, just so talented all mixed into one. Um, and I was none of those things, so I don't know how I like <laughs> had the nerve to think I could do that. Um, but I, I figured, hey, I haven't seen me, and so I'll just I'll make that space for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right. As young girls, we don't have a whole lot of situations in which women are looked at as strong and powerful. They may be athletic and they may be revered as beautiful, but there's not a whole lot that would focus on that. Right. It's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's interesting too, because when you, when you look back, like you only know what you, what you're surrounded by. So I didn't realize that like, you know, there's these categories of women. I didn't realize that you're either an Amazon or you're a supermodel. Like I didn't know that that was like wrong at the time. Like mm-hmm. there's so many, in, there's so much in between, you know, um, I just thought, okay, I've got to figure out how to fit into one of these categories or, or try to make my own. Um, and it's just so hard to be what you cannot see. Mm -hmm. And that slowly without me realizing like kind of became my, my mission statement was to, Mm -hmm. okay, let me be that thing that isn't out there. Let me represent Mm -hmm. myself and maybe help Mm -hmm. the next generation. (laughs) Well, sort of kind of your other mission statement, too. What inspired you to share your story and become such a mental health advocate? Um, it's interesting. It, it, I feel at times like it almost happened by accident. <laughs> I, I knew that um, for so long I very much played my, I kept my cards close to my chest, and I didn't share any of my story or any sort of vulnerabilities um, with anyone. I was just a very, very private person. And um, I knew that when when these things were happening in my life um, and I was struggling with my own mental health and there were struggles in my family, um, to me, I just thought, okay, this is happening so I can learn a lesson and pass on this lesson one day. Um, and so, like, I always knew that I wanted to write a book, but I didn't think it would be so um, vulnerable. <laughs> and when I started the process of writing the book, I just realized that, okay, I spent, at the time, I think I was, like, 28 when I was writing the book. Um, I spent 28 years kind of in silence and in hiding in plain sight. And I needed to just be honest and sometimes keeping that your secrets to yourself can be a selfish thing because sharing your struggles with the world can make a lot of people feel less alone. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was terrifying because I am such a private, a painfully private person. Um, But just the process of writing and, and putting, taking these burdens off of myself and putting them out into the world, it it just felt like what I needed to do. It felt like the right thing to do. and from there, just like sharing my story, um, we just felt it was important to be responsible with messaging. And that's how I um, got in touch with these amazing mental health organizations, NAMI and the Judd Foundation, um, most recently the Child Mind Institute. Um, and it's just, I, I kind of just wanted that, this a group of people to, to keep me on track to let me know how I could help them. Um, and it's just been, it's been one of the most profound, important things I've ever done with my life. Yeah. 
uncomfortable. Yeah, it takes such vulnerability and sharing your story. What feedback have you gotten for kind of putting yourself out there and telling that part of your your story and your journey? What's what's crazy is that you always feel, you're always kind of this little kid inside that feels like if you show people your truth, they're going to reject you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we kind of, you know, we keep ourselves, you know, protected in that way. Um, and that was kind of my biggest worry. Um, I remember I, you know, before the book came out, I decided to write like a, a blog, almost just like coming out as bipolar blog and saying, okay, this is what the book is going to be about. Like get, get ready for that. Um, and I like, I honestly got my first gray hair the week that blog was coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I was so stressed. I didn't handle it um and, and I just was so afraid and you know it was like a tv show like how supportive people were and how not only supportive like you know I had like the beautiful support of my fan base who were like oh it just makes sense now this is why I felt connected to you and I've had issues like that as well um and it, it that was so incredibly profound and made me feel like it was worth it's all that fear and it was such, it was so the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also had people that were close to me say, people I've been friends with for a really long time said they had family members that had dealt with depression or bipolar disorder and, or anxiety, um, or they themselves had dealt with it. And it was like, why haven't we been having this conversation? I've known you for years. Like, you know, like I can't believe we, we don't tell each other these things. Um, but it really taught me the valuable lesson that you, once you, one person speaks up, it, it can start a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. We've had a couple of people on here that have had similar <clears throat> sayings to that where like secrets breed in the dark and how they almost found it therapeutic for themselves to share their story and kind of get it off their chest and help others. So um, thank you so much, especially for bipolar, because there's a lot of stigma and lack of education. And mm-hmm. I think having somebody out there that's willing to share it and especially put it in a, a TV show is going to do wonders and we, we thank you for that mm-hmm. being mental health clinicians yeah, <laughs> and doing that in a responsible way for sure Aww. oh I, I appreciate that so much it really <laughs> is it, it is a way to free yourself and I don't like I wouldn't tell everyone that's suffering like hey just like come out and talk about it tweet about it you know because some people it's a journey they have to get there and it takes time Mm -hmm. but I will say that like when you can get there and you're able to share it with people you care about um and be open and accepting of it you free yourself from carrying that burden alone and it and it just it makes everything it makes the struggle so much easier Mm -hmm. um when you're open about it Mm-hmm. And I, it's just very important for me to to show that, especially bipolar disorder, it is manageable and it is, and in a way, it's a, it's been a gift for me in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Well, we can tell that you have a big, big heart, and it sounds like it's also um, been used for animal adoption and free rescue. So I, I love hearing about this because mm-hmm. we have a house full of free rescue animals. So mm-hmm. tell us how you got into that. Oh! 
Oh my god, I love it. Do you have mm-hmm. a zoo? Uh-huh. We have a cat, a dog, and our previous two dogs mm-hmm. for furry rescues. And we've got a a, oh. a house full of pit bulls that we've rescued that uh that we love so much. So uh, Oh my god. Yeah, those are our those oh are Oh my god, our... I'm in love with you. Pit bulls are amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, we've had such uh a great experience with one one in particular who was rescued from like a, a fighting farm. She's just turned into our little therapy dog. Oh. So, um, yeah, it's a oh, great thing. Oh my so, gosh! So yeah, tell wow, us more. I love that. So, well, that is it's very similar to my story. We um, when I was younger, um, even though we did not have um, the resources to even like take care of even like feed ourselves or house ourselves. (laughs) Um, We, my, my parents would take in um, pit bulls and we just like were around the neighborhood. You know, we lived in these neighborhoods where people would breed them for, um, for fighting rings Mm -hmm. and there would always just be this excess. And so my family would foster these pits and um, foster them for a while and then adopt them out. And so we were like this kind of makeshift, um, foster organization, mm-hmm. <laughs> like unofficial foster organization. And we fell in love with um, one in particular, in particular, who was a little puppy, um, who was like, you know, going to be this like stud of this fighting ring. Mm-hmm. And I tell a story in my book about how, you know, my dad was like, I'll give you 50 bucks for this dog. And basically just saved this dog's life. Yeah. And he was the love of my life Mm -hmm. (laughs) um just the most sweet gentle angel dog and it just really showed me how misunderstood um these animals are and how dangerous stereotypes can be Mm -hmm. um and it just it really broke my heart and so we got several pit bulls over our um you know like together as a family and when i lived on my own i began rescuing um, on my own and I've had three different rescues um, and now I have a, a um, me and my husband share a little wolf boy chupacabra rescue mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and it's just been it's the most like sad. It, it, it makes you feel like you are on this earth for some reason you mm-hmm. know to, to save this life and to give it um, I, I had this quote uh, recently and it just made me burst into tears um, and it was, you know, dogs are the small part of our life, but we're, we are their entire life. You know, they have the shorter oh. lifespan. We are all of it. And, you know, what's like, what else, what more beautiful thing can you do? But give, you know, this 10 to 15 years of your time to give this animal a beautiful, happy, safe life. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you talk about the stereotypes. I think with those animals, it puts us in that place of being more compassionate to what they've gone through and their mm-hmm. background and how, you know, if you were to see that dog on the street, you'd be like, oh, look at that mean dog that's digging in the trash. Well, little did you know it got dumped and it's been abused. I mean, it makes you really start to also second guess how you look and judge at people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I think I always like over identify with rescues, which might be <laughs> why I'm definitely drawn to them. Um, you know, like I myself like lived on this street and I myself was just like wait like a, a stray trying to find a home. And just the this the thought that you can give just a little bit of your life makes such an impact on their life. 
um, it's just it's kind of everything to me. And I I wish more people would would kind of broaden their horizons and realize that like they're not breeds that are bad. There are people that are bad at raising mm-hmm. those breeds. Exactly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And pitbulls are just oh, pitbulls are sweet, vocal like little loving angels mm-hmm. and I, I wish more people would recognize that yeah they are loyal lovers they are <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. they are <laughs> well uh thank you so much for doing that too again becca and i are obviously both animal lovers so we we appreciate probably uh, too much i said if yeah, my husband yeah. wasn't in the picture my daughter and i'd have a whole house full <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you guys for rescuing all those animals. Like, I love that. It warms my heart. My dream one day is to, like, have so many that, like, I'm tripping over them. Like, that's where, how I want to retire. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, on another note, congrats on your amazing book. And I know we've talked about the TV um, series. We want to hear all, um, all about it. What uh, made you write the book? And tell us a little bit about more what you have in there. Well, I um, spent like a about a decade of my life um, in professional wrestling, and there is um, very much a time limit on like how long you can abuse your body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and so when I knew that you know there was going to be a next chapter of my life, I really um, like all pun intended. I really felt like I needed to to start this fresh new chapter and and I couldn't do that if I didn't put my deepest darkest secrets out into the world and I couldn't release that for for so long I had kind of just held this pain inside and I had said you know like this is just making me tougher and it's making me stronger and you know one day I'll, I'll share it somehow um but when I knew this wrestling chapter was closing it just felt like the perfect time to kind of release release that pain and release that baggage um and i i felt a responsibility having young fans listening to what i was saying to following me on social media supporting me um when you have those like minds kind of waiting to see what you're going to say like you better say something worthwhile um <laughs> and, and just be responsible and so for me i thought well what can i do <clears throat> this next stage of my life like I can tell people my story I can share the lessons I've learned I can tell people that you know like not only have you thought I've been this like outsider quirky underdog this whole time like I've been struggling with um, my mental health and and now I I've survived and thrived um, with my mental health disorder and so I just really wanted to help even if mental health disorders are not um, somebody's personal battle, I think that, that there's so much they can take from my experiences with it um, for their own personal battles. It, my goal is just to like help people feel less alone, and that was the best way for me to do it. Um, so my memoir is very much my life story. It's about growing up, you know, extremely poor and being homeless and finding solace in comic books and video games and pro wrestling um, Mm -hmm. and finding a way to make that a reality to get me out of homelessness and poverty. Mm -hmm. I really like that. That was (laughs) just that, that part of your life kind of rescued you in a way. Mm -hmm. 
definitely mm-hmm. it's uh you know I, I say you have to like become your your own superhero mm-hmm. you don't have to wait for one you know um oh, and that's very much I the messaging that. of my book and, and what I wanted to share with those young girls that for some reason like how I dress and are listening to me <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and they could get your book on your website correct um it is on Amazon, Amazon. um it's on Barnes and Noble and um my website is ajmendez.com and we have the links for everywhere that you can purchase it on there great great so aj we'd love to always end each interview asking how you live out the fit philosophy so how do you balance the time for performance health intellect and taking time for self Oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't hear that. Oh, sorry. How do you walk live away. out like the, <laughs> the fit philosophy, which is how you balance performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self? Oh, um, that is so incredibly important to me. Um, I feel like fitness and self-care um, are part of my therapy process like they are crucial elements to my own personal therapy um those are things I can control I don't have to wait for an appointment I don't have to um you know to feel reliant on anything fitness and the way I take care of myself makes me feel capable and I think that's the key to kind of conquering anxiety and depression is feeling like you are capable of being strong um and and you have you you have control um that's something that just gives me such peace of mind and and if i have if i'm having a bad day i know i can you know jump on the treadmill or lift some weights and i can make my myself feel strong and confident um and accomplished um so i would i would say that's one of the most crucial parts of my my recovery and my survival Mm -hmm. that's great well, AJ, we'll be sure to put all those links, and we will we'll have to have, like, a watch party when the show Ooh, comes out. Yeah, fit watch Wine party. and popcorn. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> and we're so thankful for your, for your time today, and I hope you enjoy your time with your friend in L.A. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Oh, likewise. Thanks, AJ, for being such an advocate on um, so many important issues. So we appreciate you being on. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a good one. All right, ladies. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Bye, queens. Thank you to our sponsor today, Sentimano Counseling. Sentimano Counseling is the premier perinatal mental health practice in Kansas City, treating mood disorders during pregnancy and postpartum, perinatal loss, infertility, eating, and exercise disorders. Go to sentimano.com for further information about the practice and services. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, queens.